0: I just saw 10 dogs running at me, fierce, you know, the dogs that sort of drip saliva, looking really like, oh, I could see their teeth. It was like, whoa, what is going on here? And these 10 dogs were running directly at me like they were going to kill me. And I just thought, well, this is unusual. (laughs) And... uh, (laughs) And then, it, they, as they were getting within shot, uh, you know, like sort of getting closer and I'm starting to see more detail, they then start to morph into sort of, you know, like the pairs become one. So it goes five and then five becomes three and then three become one. And I realize it's not a dog, it's the dragon head. It's the dragon of Reiki. And you know how dragons can be quite dog-like? Yeah
1: yeah and, yeah, yeah.
0: and then it it didn't come at me. It came past me, went past me this way. And then I just was like, oh. And, I, and then I realised, oh, this is a dragon because the long, 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 long tail then started passing me. And that was when I saw the three Reiki masters and they were walking. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow!
1: You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just fad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Hello and welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. Always such a blessing to be with you all again. I have a beautiful woman to introduce you to today. Her name is Janine Lee Fay. Welcome to the show, Janine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. And please remember, if you're liking the shows and the conversations to share and subscribe and press that like button and send, a, uh, send us a comment or a message on YouTube. I've turned off all the advertising on YouTube. So I've noticed since I've done that, which was over six months ago, <laughs> the subscribes have like just plummeted because YouTube's a business like any business and they like to make money out of you, but if they can't, they uh, don't share your videos as much. So it's up to you guys to share the videos and spread the love. So Janine has a fascinating life story, which we're going to hear about today. She's one of the applicants for a speaker for the Higher Self Expo, where we're discussing where science meets spirituality. And we're going to talk about the science of feng
0: shui today, right? Absolutely. My favorite I guess, topic. I guess that's a science. <laughs> I guess that's a science. It's an uh, art and a science. It's an technically. Art
1: and a science. Let mm. me tell you a little bit about Janine. Janine Lee-Fei was born connected to her spiritual awareness unlike many people she didn't have a spiritual awakening per se but instead had to learn how to integrate into this world as a human in a three-dimensional in a 3D environment today she is a feng shui grand master teacher of meditation consultant for business and personal coach originally from the UK she calls, has called Australia home for the past 12 years. Janine's work involves building homes for her clients using traditional feng shui principles for beautiful spaces with practical functionality. Early in her career in Australia, Janine was very close, working closely with clients who built homes in the eco village in Corumban, which sounds fascinating. I'd like to hear more about that. Janine contributed over $10 million to the economy using environmental energy tools and techniques, aka feng shui, for both building and selling houses. She works closely with her clients and their energy, often creating bespoke healings, meditations and affirmations to support their continued growth and development of their spiritual self. She directs the qi to support them in achieving the life they dream of. For this reason, Janine has been very quiet on social media, she says, and uh, has been working with only a select group of clients on a referral-only basis, ensuring their confidentiality. And she says, if you knew her client list, you'd understand why. So she's hobnobbing <laughs> with the rich and famous it's like- <laughs> <laughs> seeing
0: how the other the other
1: half lived, yeah, yeah the other half live. well you've had a corporate career I suspect that was in the UK was it or was it in yes yes yeah
0: in the UK. working
1: for Microsoft and uh you'll be speaking about um oh I haven't finished now today Janine guides has been guided to publish her work in the area of feng shui and talk more publicly about this fascinating art and science and how it can help us in any environment and you're going to be talking about the environmental energy at home and at work for the uh, higher self expo that's all right that's all righty let's go back to the beginning darling (laughs) you say that you were born awake
0: Yes. what
1: did that look like when you were little
0: well, it was perfectly normal, of course. Yeah. I thought everybody was that way. Um, and um, it wasn't until my sister, who's three years older than myself, um, it was discovered at school that she, she needed eyeglasses. And so we had to go to the opticians. And that was the first time as a family, or, or my mother and my, my sister and I actually discussed, what do you see? And that was the first time I realized at six, that, oh, you don't see what I see. You're not, you're not seeing the world how I'm seeing the world. I've built this whole world and it's totally different from your view. And what that did, of course, in a six-year-old child living in a, a very 3D family in, in a suburb in London, what that did, of course, was completely introvert me. So I became extremely shy, extremely introverted, and quite fearful to talk about what I could see, feel, hear, and experience. Um, but my gifts were extremely strong, um, sometimes on bordering unmanageable. Um, and a couple of times I had situations where I was at, I actually asked, you know, um, spirit, if you want to call it that, switch, switch it off. Right now, just switch it off. Not right now, of course. <laughs> be very unhelpful right now. <laughs> but in that moment, I wanted it to be switched off because it it, it was it was too intense. When, you know, as um I think that that particular incident, I was about eight or nine, but I was able to telepathically connect to people's thoughts, and of course, um, my father being a, you know, a a hot blooded Italian. <laughs> man (laughs) he had very pornographic thoughts which weren't appropriate for a nine-year-old so I absolutely had to switch that off because that was not for my viewing wow so it's it's a blessing and a curse wow a lot of people think oh that would be amazing but you have to see there's light and dark in all things I have to
1: say that everyone I've spoken to on the show you know for years has said the same thing when they were a child that when they had their spiritual awareness active, they wanted it to go away. I've never heard them hearing pornographic, pornographic thoughts oh, from their just, father,
0: but that's incredible. That's, that's an adult world. Oh, absolutely. A nine year old, not really something you can um, understand, happily connect oh, yeah. with, or want to be part of your experience. Yeah. So I never asked them to turn the telep- telepathy back on. That that one. No, no, thank you. That's on my absolute no list. I believe that that's also an invasion of somebody's intimacy. And I feel that that should come by invitation only.
1: Ooh, I have a very different view about it. I I believe (laughs) that telepathy enables us to um, clean up our thoughts and uh, disclosure and exposure and, um, you know, you know, you can't lie and you can't have secrets and oh, no. No, but your you know, energy I, energy does
0: that too you don't yeah. need to have a word. this was a word for word visual, right right as if their mind was running in my mind right okay like okay. a computer inside a computer right yeah, that's how it was running so that's that was that form of telepathy, wow. and that to me was too much of an invasion of their personal space
1: yeah wow yeah <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, there are people out there teaching telepathy now, I think, um, you know, that was a while ago, it's, it's a different world that we live in. And, um, and so many kids have come in like that. Now, Janine, they were like, they're like you were as a child. Yeah. And
0: And even more so now.
1: And it's forcing parents to clean up their thoughts, you know, when a yeah. child is saying, "I can hear every thought you've got," they're like, "Oh my god, I've got to stop criticizing people and judging people and stressing, and because my kid is listening, Yeah, you know, yeah. I can't." Why? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so what could you see that your family couldn't see when you're when the doctors asked you, "What can you see?" Um,
0: well, I remember my this was before the eye test. But my, from the age of about three or four, my mother would ask me to, you know, uh, lay the table for dinner, for example. And in our in the family home that I grew up in, um, I thought there was a lot of people that lived there <laughs> because I could see all of my grandmothers on my maternal side. I could go back many, many generations. And my mother's very good at history. So she, she uh, you know, uh, later down the track was able to. Help me understand which one was which based on my describing their costumes and what they wore, the fashion of that time. Um, and because we can date our female line right the way back into the 1700s. So I, when she asked me to lay the table at three or four, I would have to say, for how many? Because there were people all around the room that, and when you are a child, you know, some people, some grown-ups, they sort of actively wave at you and kind of want to be friends with you. And some sort of act like, you don't exist, you know? So, and you, I knew the ones that wanted to engage and the ones that knew I was there but didn't want to engage. And so I didn't know who was eating and who wasn't, but my mother always said, for me, you, your sister, and your father, of course, you know, and she'd be quite sort of why do you keep asking me this, but didn't investigate it? <laughs> so that's sort of, I suppose, I guess an example of things I would see, but not just that, I would see plants very differently, like their energetic composition. And um, I would feel very differently going into different spaces and and every now and then once my mother knew I was um, connected and, and realized I, I had come through this way, um, she did listen when I used to say, we need to go and visit Uncle City. And she'd say, why? And I'd say, we're well, just gonna die. And he would three weeks later. <laughs> and, we, and then I said, "Oh, well, let's go and visit this other relative. She said, Why? I was just gonna die. And um, and then and then I said, let's go and visit this relative. She said, Why are they gonna die? I said, Oh no, they just make really nice cakes. <laughs> So that was a much childlike way of, of dealing with Oh, my with God. It. <laughs> I suppose that would have been scary for my mother.
1: I know. Wow. Wow. You know, when you talk to your mom about it, like as an adult, did she
0: say you were like some crazy kid to bring up? I mean, it must have been difficult oh, for she, her. She always, she, always, um, she always sensed my um, streak of independence Mm-hmm. Um, and she always said that she knew from very, very early on that, you know, as all mothers say that I was extremely special, but she very much felt uh, she herself is, is, you know, relatively connected also right? and um, in her own ways. And, you know, she herself, you know, she said, I always felt you were destined f- for great things. I knew that you'd come here for a very specific reason. And she really could feel that very differently to my sister, um, who was sort of much more needy on the mother and much more stumbling her way through where I was quite independent, quite happy to do my own things and and actually didn't want to be assisted, you know
1: yeah, wow, okay, so what why did you go into the corporate world like what were you thinking when you grew up and and you had all this ability, how much did you turn off and how much did you keep on? So you turned off the telepathy. only,
0: only turned off telepathy, everything else I kept. So what um, does everything thinking, else in,
1: entail? You can see through your physical eyes, you can see spirit, or do you see that through your third
0: eye? Like how are you perceiving? Uh, so um, both. So I use, I can, I obviously I have physical eyes that I can view the world, but I can adjust that vision so that I can see uh uh perhaps um if you look at sort of um augmented reality when that's layered on top you know of our actual reality you know that I can sort of see an energy composition or some people call it an aura things like that on top of anything that has energy this is how I work in the feng shui business of course um but also I see with my mind's eye which is your third eye so I very much um you know have sort of video moving images sound like watching a movie um in my um inner eye um which for me feels very much downloaded I call it downloaded when that's uh it's not I'm not creating those thoughts I am receiving those thoughts mm. so I and, and very much I feel that's And that's what Feng Shui is really all about too. It's about the way you feel in a space. And so for me, I very much trust that solar plexus, that feeling of, or some people call it the gut instinct. When you walk into a room, you immediately know if you are loved or loathed in that space. And so I put all of that together and class that as my connection. But as a child, I was also academic and I really enjoyed school, which is what led me into the corporate world. So I found a huge level of um, pleasure in academia
1: Mm.
0: and um, just enjoyed learning and uh, I was Pretty much good at all subjects, bar sport. I think it's fair to say I didn't really excel at sport in any way. Um, <laughs> so, uh, my mother used to say, you know, uh, girls do not sweat, girls do not perspire. And if one thinks one is about to perspire, that is one's cue to sit. <laughs> So I think I really embodied that as my sister did. And we really took that into our inner soul. <laughs> I tell you what, not in Kuji. I go out for a
1: walk in every, every bar, you know, bar a couple of mothers with prams, but no, even them, pretty much every woman I see on the street is in sweatpants. <laughs> they're they're jogging, a, yeah, they're pushing the pram, with, they're yeah. sweating, they're in sweatpants and joggers. It's like everyone. To be feet.
0: fair, I owned the outfit too when I, I had my son in Sydney and we we had the pram and we had the outfit and we walked around Narrabeen Lake and all that sort of thing. And um, yeah, we, but I wouldn't say I was being sporty. (laughs) It was a different energy. Okay. I've got to
1: ask you. So your mother said, I knew you came, you know, you're destined to do great things. You've come here for a reason. did you ever ask your mob, your guides, like, what am
0: I doing here? Why am I here on earth? Like, several times when mm. you look at the way the world is right. and the exactly. way that, the things that have happened and um not just in this year but over all the years it's, and particularly when I think about that you know when I work with clients like that and sort of help them connect to their their authentic or true self or if they have a purpose or a mission or you know defining in greater depth what that is um for me, um, I, I perceive my purpose, as you want to call it that. I'm really here in a service-based role. I'm here to assist other humans. And um, now that can be done in several different guises. I could be a tax accountant and I can do that. I can stand in, a, I could be a mum in the, in the supermarket you know, queue and have a two-second conversation with the person in front or behind and change their life. I can do that. So it was really never a question of what J-O-B should I have. It was really just working out what I enjoy, what I feel passionate about, and really in in utilising then my gifts in in those areas um, to assist the people that cross my path.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. So did you ask your guides, like, where are you from?
0: Oh, (laughs) yes, I do have a good understanding of, of that, um, better understanding the older I get. Um, the thing that is continuously shown to me is how, you know, we are all one. We are all connected. We all form part of a, um, collected consciousness. And when one of us, one human experiences pain, on some level, we all feel that pain and we are all connected. So in terms of where I'm personally from, um, I feel as though, look, I, I read the term the other day, Skywalker, and I thought, gee, I hope I'm one of them because that sounds so much fun, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I hope I'm a Skywalker jumping from planet to planet to planet. I remember speaking to
1: Sherry Wilde, who is, um, you know, she was abducted for many years. She was a really successful real estate broker in the States. And I don't know, I think she was in her 40s before she had any inkling as who she was, but she uh, had had all these abductions that she had no memory of, but she had all this, lost time and then she had a hypnosis and she met her spirit guide who she called da and she remembered as a child seeing him in the crib and calling her da like dad da 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 and mm-hmm. he had been with her all her life and when yeah. he, he he appeared as a as a tall grey but when she said uh, is this who you are he goes no this is just the bodysuit that I wear in order to do what <laughs> I do in the universe and she said well who are you and he said oh, I can't remember but something like I'm a soul um who tra- traverses the universe in service to the creator something like that Aww. i just remember listening to him describe Beautiful. who he
0: is even another he's, skywalker
1: yeah another skywalker even though uh, even though he walker even though he presented as a gray a tall gray he said this is just a very efficient suit yes. that i wear he, he said the human body's too fragile for what i do
0: oh yes
1: it is is. (laughs) I just thought oh that's such a great description yeah yeah
0: and I don't think anybody any one of us as a soul has an individual identity as just being one one thing I think we all experience many many things I think that's part of part of the plan
1: yeah. Do, do you feel like you've been to earth many times before?
0: Yes. I just, re- I'm glad you asked me that. I just recently took um, my daughter. We, we actually had to travel during COVID, which was pretty tricky. Um, yeah. But um, um, we had to go on compassionate grounds. Family member was very sick, sadly. But we went back to um, my um, ancestral home. My great, 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 great grandmother, um, Hannah, her name, um, lived, was born there, had her children there, married, had her children there, died there. And her eldest daughter, so, uh, oh sorry, she was sixth grade, so her eldest daughter was five great grandmothers to me was also called Hannah. You know how it was fashionable to call your child your own. I don't know how that would have worked in the home. That would have been hectic. But (laughs) Hannah, yes, yes. (laughs) Like, what? But anyway, her eldest daughter, Hannah, um, struggled so much with her mother's passing um, that she uh, essentially moved from one side of the UK across to the other side of the UK, which started my London line my London lineage um, because she was walking the streets um, of a village in Gloucestershire, South Gloucestershire called Thornbury. And she was so bereft and just in such deep grief that every time she turned a corner, she would think she would see her mother. Uh. And so she found it too difficult. So she she relocated um, across to the other side, of the country, this is back at the end of the 1700s turning into the 1800s. My daughter and I were there walking the same streets and it was shown to me that I had been her mother then. I was the mother Hannah and my daughter was the daughter Hannah. And so going back there and during COVID when everything was in lockdown, all you could really do was walk and so we walked the streets of this um, village, Thornbury, our ancestral home, and in doing so, healed an entire grief line that my daughter particularly was connected to. To answer your question, I, I would categorically say, I know I've been here before. Yeah. And for me, I think when clients talk about deja vu moments and things like that, for me, that's representing um, an acknowledgement of yes you have been here before um there are people who are very new to the air i'm sorry did that touch you as
1: i yeah as i I, as i tune in to you and your daughter walking those lines i just yeah
0: yeah
1: what you were doing Mm. yeah yeah touched me yeah yeah oh yeah thank you oh yeah look that's such an important job that many light weavers are doing at the moment healing those ancestral wounds oh, that ancestral grief that ancestral mm.
0: um and you know why that's important because we can't take it into 5d it must absolutely. Stay, it must stay here and that's why it's really important so my um family member who was very very unwell that caused me to to return to the uk during covid for four months on compassionate leave um they actually um they were not doing any operation, they had cancer, they were not doing any operations at all in the UK. No no surgery at all uh, because of COVID. And they opened up the theatres for 18 days in November. And my family member managed to have about 13 and a half inches removed from their intestine. And they got the 100% all clear of cancer. So not only did we get to clear our ancestral grief, but we, This family member who gifted us the opportunity to go back and do that was then gifted um, 100% recovery.
1: Oh, that's so beautiful. I was talking to a young healer at my daughter's, had a bit of a going away gathering because she's getting on a boat again and travelling, traversing the coast of Australia, as she does every winter. And, (laughs) um, And her flatmate is this beautiful galactic star seed. He's 20, just turned 28. And he works in a hospital dealing with um, the, some of the most unbelievably dysfunctional young people. He was saying one of his clients has just cut herself, like her whole arms is just scars from where she's cut herself. Mm. And I was thinking about these, you she's only 23. And and so many starseeds have come in holding so much ancestral pain and they don't know what to do with it. And uh, they don't haven't, they're not a, they're not, aware of who they are maybe you know they're still under the veil it's amazing that you were so aware yeah and, and so they're it's holding- a journey they're yeah. all on a journey yeah
0: so, um it's not one person being having greater awareness than another it's just that at, at that point in my journey I was able to clear it yeah for generations for
1: generations yeah absolutely Absolutely what you say is so true if we're going to shift this world we can't take we can't take that with us there's no more you know working no no more like reincarnating back into the karma to try and work it out and not get working it out and you know that's done that's finished it's like time to move on groundhog day moving forward yeah so all right oh wow fascinating story Janine fascinating (laughs) so you have Ah, you had this ability, like you had the heightened creative psychic, but you also had the heightened logical intellect. So you've sort of got the height, you know, both sides of your brain operating at a, at a higher frequency mm-hmm. and um, you're able to integrate that into your corporate world and hence had a really, you know, successful career in the corporate world working for Microsoft. And what brought you to Australia? Like what drew you <laughs> yeah well (laughs) I love of course (laughs) I always ask this to people who come from
0: overseas 90% of the time they say
1: I fell in love with an Aussie
0: (laughs) yeah I didn't actually fall in love with an Aussie I married an Englishman who was already in love with Australia right okay okay and it was his deepest desire to be here and um he, he was on board with my corporate career, really understanding when I did a great deal of travel and um, was supportive and encouraged me in all of those things. Uh, but as soon as I um, decided to be, become a mother, um, which I knew was uh, part of my plan, um, and as soon as I, I decided to become a mother, he absolutely swooped in on the opportunity and said, let's emigrate, right? you know, because there was no, I was never going to have the career that I had and be a mother simultaneously. I know there are many women who believe they can do and have it all and that's absolutely true and fantastic, but I really wanted to give 100% of my energy to either the job or the career or the child in the early days. Now, of course, I have that happy balance of, and I have more than one child now. So, you know, so I have that sort of happy balance of juggling, but initially I wanted to be energetically very present Mm. um, in that experience of becoming a mother. Mm. And so that was when my husband said, let's, let's emigrate. So as someone as sensitive to
1: energy as you, both personal and environmental, What was your experience of the energy of Australia compared to where you'd come from? It
0: came to me before I even stepped foot. Right. So I did all the proper, you know, logical things. I went through an immigration agent. We did a lot of profiling, personality profiling as a couple and then as a um, growing into a new family um, as to where we should be based. And And it turned out we were best suited either in Toronto or on the Gold Coast were the two places that were identified for us as people. And I said to my husband, I think I'd rather turn on the air con than shovel snow. And my, my, my mother's cousin lives in Toronto and I know how bad their winters can be. And I just didn't feel that this was, I didn't have the confidence in the driving conditions, quite frankly. Where <laughs> I knew that I could turn on air con quite easily um and so I had energetically committed to okay Gold Coast and my husband had said um I've heard of a place called Burley Heads it's very famous for surfing and he of course thought himself somewhat of a surfer 12 years into the journey I I I still think he thinks he thinks he's a surfer I'm not entirely convinced we've Committed on that course, <laughs> definitely recreational hobby, perhaps. So, um, <laughs> when you see the the little Aussie boys and girls running out into that ocean, I mean they they just look so natural, don't they? They're phenomenal. <laughs> and then there's him. So that's a different experience. But so energetically, um, uh, he'd committed to the would committed to the Gold Coast, and he'd heard of this wonderful place called Burleigh Head and read about it, and I started to have dreams. And in the dreams, there was a map of Australia, which I must say at the time, my geography of Australia was appalling. And I could have only described to you that at about three o'clock, there was a line, Mm -hmm. a horizontal line at three o'clock, which I now understand to be the border between Queensland and New South Wales. Right. And an Aboriginal man stood on this map where this line, was at three o'clock in my dream and he just as you know stood in that sort of uh, iconic pose of having you know that half yeah. yoga one leg up yeah yeah holding yeah. the stick yeah
1: mm-hmm. um
0: with a sort of cloth over the important mm-hmm. parts
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and relatively naked and he just stood there stationary staring at me in my dream and every time i was g- coming into an awoken state you know in the morning and i'm first gaining consciousness back I would see this vision of this, this Aboriginal man standing at three o'clock on the line on the map. And um, I asked my guides about Australia because I have very strong family values and very loyal to my family and have really struggled with emigration on on, on that level. So the feeling that it's sort of I have abandoned them or left them, um, which I now realize is not the case. I'm totally free, of course. Um, and so when I connected with my guys, um, I started waking up. The Aboriginal man started doing this to me, like, "Come." He didn't speak. he just made this motion of "Come." Mm-hmm. And I opened my eyes, I phoned all the important people that, that mattered to me in the U.K. and I said, "I'm going to be going to Australia." You know? mm. So that was my commitment before <sighs> I was. 16. And actually, one of the first Aboriginal people that I met here. Um, in Australia um, he actually said to me um, if you were if you were um, if you were my son he said to me I would take you walk about Mm. and I thought and I just looked at him and I said you know I said I can hear your songs (sighs) and he said I know you can hear them and it's frustrating for me because I can't get them back out of my mouth but if I stand on land I can hear and feel the tracks and the energy and
1: the songs and, you know, the song lines
0: yeah
1: I'm a bit of a mess with you Janine I'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> I'm just feeling I'm just feeling everything you're saying and I I'm just feel like bawling <laughs> no it's not a sad cry it's like I'm just so touched
0: oh god because Um, it's energy it's it's energy it certainly is this is what an energy exchange is you know absolutely
1: you know i can't tell you how many people i have asked you know what brought them to australia and everything that you have said would be the same story for them but they were not aware of it like they don't know why but they were drawn here they say i fell in love with the Noisy. they say oh, okay, i came backpacking and i just had to stay it's like the land the indigenous um custodians of the land were calling them and you know you can't say that in sort of normal conversations like the indigenous elders were calling you but um, Oh, unless you can't I would I, I suppose I, would. I, would I, I totally
0: would <laughs> and look if the people don't don't connect with that that I'm speaking to then oh. my golden rulers they're just not of my tribe yeah you know but getting back to the when you feel the energy of the two different
1: I ask you this because years ago there was this fabulous English guy tiny little guy that came out here I was running the Academy of Light and he was one of our speakers and we put on some courses for him. And he was talking about a ports, you know, things just dropping out of the sky and, and um, he had the most incredible stories, but anyway, he did this workshop and I helped him with the workshop. And he said um, he was just talking about his experience of feeling the land as compared to where he had traveled around the world. And, and I was just hearing his experience of feeling this, you know, the, the,
0: the energy in Australia, what was your experience? Uh It's very, very similar, I must admit. Um, Look, it's magic. It is pure magic. And I jokingly say to some of my international clients and friends, I call it the magical land of Oz. And as in, you know, um, as in the movie, the Judy Garland movie, (laughs) you know, the Wizard of Oz and spell it O-Z as opposed to A-U-S because for me, it is a magical land. There is something magical about this soil and um, I I haven't, I've visited um, a fair amount now of Australia and I've feng shuied um, in every state now. Um, I haven't been to um, the Northern Territory or South Australia but I've done Zoom calls for them and done feng shuies there. So on some level I've connected with the earth there but one day I do hope to stand upon it in the real. Um, but there is something very magical about Australia. And um, I'll share a story with you that happened to me not so long ago. And it was on the the portal, you know, that happened at the end of 2020 with Uluru. So I was in the village of Thornbury in South Gloucestershire in the UK, working on the ancestral things. And um, the there was a lot of... Um, media attention coming through about Uluru. I don't pay that much attention to the news. I I sort of keep one ear on it to sort of sound half normal, I guess, to the rest of the world. But then I won't go into the energy of it or the detail. I very much keep that away from myself. But I was um, being shown lots of news reporters in Uluru and I was getting very much the vibration that um, there was a lot of unhappiness that Uluru was... Um, sort of being uh, plagued by media, like the swarming like flies was sort of the energy feeling I kept getting around Uluru. And then the portal happened and I was standing in um, the garden and knowing the portal was opening inside of Uluru and knowing there was very magical things that were happening there um, that had been planned for many, many, many years. And um, the energy of Uluru came down through the earth, across the entire world, earth. And it was the tree roots that brought it up into the garden in which I was standing. So when I closed my eyes, I could feel Uluru and the portal being breathed on me through the trees. It was, that is how incredible Australia is.
1: That's so beautiful to hear how it affected, well, someone who could feel it. But, yeah, it
0: definitely affected the world. So it was so beautiful to. And to the feel. energy was carried in the fa- the the fauna and the flora right. is how the energy was carried all around the world. Wow. Yeah. You're right.
1: There was a lot of consent. There was a lot of. Um, yeah there was yeah there was things going on and all the yeah. the indigenous didn't like that there was so much publicity about what was happening a friend of mine put on yeah. a conference up there uh there was unrest and they didn't want all those people there and like all the light workers flocked there because they wanted to be a part of it and uh, look there was there was a bit of drama that ha- that unfolded throughout mm. that whole thing but Regardless of the 3D drama, the human drama, but you know, no, you it know still, what I like, and it, it still too? worked.
0: There's nobody, nobody was wrong. There was a great deal of excitement, you mm. know, I can, under, but you know what it, it reminds me of, you know, when a woman is in labor, that's it's like Uluru right. was in labor, right? And all the family were wanting to go to the hospital and be able, see the baby, and oh, what's happening, and yeah. what's happening now, and all those sorts of that. So, of course, it's going to cause, but of course, the woman in labor wants to be very undisturbed, very quiet as she goes through this very natural process. Mm. And that's where you had that sort of juxtaposition of those two energies.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, oh, beautiful to hear that. Okay, yes. Um, This fabulous English guy, I can't even remember his name now. It was so many years ago, over 20 years ago. He was just saying that he feels a spaciousness in Australia that he's never felt anywhere else on earth. It was just interesting to hear his perspective. Mm. Just a freedom of... A freedom, a freedom. And you think about it, there is this massive land with this tiny population. So there's not, like, if you're feeling it, there's not, you're not feeling so many consciousnesses and stressful thoughts. And, you know, there's not such a horrible history. We have horrible history, but not so much of it like the
0: rest of the world. The whole world has horrible history. The whole world has horrible history. The whole world also has some beautiful stories.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting. Okay. How did you get into feng shui? And for people that don't understand what feng shui is, do you want to describe to people exactly what feng shui
0: is? Sure. So um, I call, you're pronouncing it quite quite well. I think my English accent causes me to pronounce it feng shui, but it is actually technically more correct to be feng shui. I just don't have a Chinese accent, so I call it feng shui. Uh, uh, but it is a very difficult word. And for a lot of people, it is a very complicated and complex, mixed up, confusing subject. Um, Essentially, if we were to translate it, it would be environmental energy. It's thinking about the energy in the room, in the house, in the building, in the office, in your space. We spend a lot of time working on our inner energy, creating a healthy life, living healthily, et cetera. But we don't really give a great deal of attention on the whole to the energy in our environment that we're breathing and living within that actually really supports us. So what Feng Shui is, it's actually an art and a science as we said at the beginning. And um, it's focused on three schools, if you want me to get a little bit technical here. There's three schools of thought so there's Compass School, which looks at north, south, east, west of a compass. And that really focuses on your individual birth chart and works out the good and bad directions for you for when you sleep. So where your crown chakra points, where you, the energy that your back sits behind, what is coming towards you, for example. So That's Compass School, which we look at more in the bedroom and dining table, office setup, things like that. Then there's form school, which is really beautiful school. It's like imagining you're a bird above your house and you're flying around and you're looking at the environment and you're um, looking for all of the things that we need in life, water sources, food supplies. You know, we want to know um, if we're buying a house, if it's close to a main road or near a motorway or something like that or a highway and we want to know if there's a cemetery nearby or um, a rubbish dump or, you know, a landfill site or something like, you know, all these things. We, that's what form school looks at, the lie of the land. Um, and then there is um, what is terribly translated as flying stars. Now, flying stars means planets. We just didn't quite get to the translation of planets, but a flying star looks at the actual birth chart of your building, so when it was built, last major renovations. And we take that as its birth date. And then we look up to the planets to work out where the planets were positioned at the time the building was born. And that's where we get the color palette from. So for the interior, so you should have, you know, I don't know, um, a higher degree of earth in this space, or a higher degree of metal in this space, we look at the elementals to balance. So that would translate to being a mushroom gray or cream or something and metal would be more of your sort of gray tones. So you might put charcoal carpet in a bedroom, for example. And so Feng Shui is about utilizing these different schools of thoughts to understand your building better, just like you'd understand your own birth chart better and how you and all the residents fit within your building. And then you align the building and the energy, the Qi that flows throughout the building to your goals, to your hopes, to your dreams, to what you're looking to achieve, what's on your list of, um, you know, uh, uh, your vision board this year or the next decade or however long it, you, you want to look at it. Um, and we align the energy to point in that direction to achieve that in the life. And when you walk into an environment that is well feng shui'd, you will feel amazing. And you won't necessarily know it's been feng shui'd but you will feel phenomenal.
1: So how did you get into it? What, what made you think about doing it as a yeah. profession
0: after you had this like corporate? Oh, no, it was during as it well as during. In, so this year marks my 30th year of wow. practicing feng shui. Wow. Wow. Um, and so when I, so I'm 43 this year, so you can, you don't need to do any maths here, i will calculate it for you. Um, and so I was 13 years of age when um, I was at school in my very connected little world of wonderment. And um, being very connected, I was very into um, Western astrology and I was very busily, it was an all girls boarding school and I was very busily telling the girls, oh, you're a Gemini, you must marry a Capricorn and all this and I was really quite into the astrology and, you know, um, who we should all marry and as 13 year old girls think Um, and actually one of the house mistresses approached me with a book all about Feng Shui and she said, she's just, she (laughs) she actually had it like under a cloak because it was really cold and it was a bit sort of, you know, it just seems like a scene out of Harry Potter when I think about it, <laughs> but she sort of pulled it out of her cloak and she just gave me the book and said, you never got it from me. <laughs> Cause it was a very Methodist boarding school. <laughs> so, so they let me do all my, you know, Western astrology, but this talked a lot about Eastern astrology and it really captured my interest because um, firstly, I'd never heard of it or knew much about it, but we did have a big international community at the boarding school. So um, there were a lot of China, girls from China and Hong Kong and, it, and I think Hong Kong was um, parting ways with China around about this time so we had quite an influx of students come and so I was I able to talk to them about it and understand it from their cultural perspectives and um, and I love the fact it said I was a uh, year of the horse and these are the characteristics of year of the horse and I'm looking around you know, my, my peer group and I'm thinking, well, I'm not like her and she's definitely not like me. Like, <laughs> you know, so I was thinking, but we're all different, so how does this work? And it really, so it started building from there. And then um, basically every weekend I used to spend in a bookshop in, in London, um, a well-known store called WH Smiths, many people would have heard of it. And they have a very good sort of self-development, self-help section. And I literally would park myself on the carpet as soon as the store opened and I would leave when it shut on the weekend and read everything there was to read about Feng Shui.
1: Beautiful. Wow. I remember I first heard about it. There was a a conference here. I can't even tell you how many years ago it was. It's got to be 25 years ago. It might've been 30 years ago. I don't know. I was in my twenties, I think called metaphysical mastery. And, uh, It was around the time that people in Australia were rehashing the tsunami story. So there's a, there's a story going around that there's going to be this big wave that's going to wipe out the East coast of Australia. Mm. And back in the sixties or seventies, people were moving out of the city in droves and moving up to the blue mountains and, and, you know, storing cans of food. And this story has been going around for years in the fifties even. And so it was resurfacing in the eighties and maybe nineties. I can't remember when it was. And, um, Uh, people were again moving out and anyway, I went to this big conference called metaphysical mastery it was in what was used to be the old entertainment center in Sydney which is no longer there massive entertainment center and I was sitting in the audience with about I don't know about seven thousand people it was amazing how many people turned up to this 30 years ago and there was this woman that was talking about feng shui and or feng shui I had never heard of it before I was totally mesmerized of all the speakers that day Louise Hay was on there and can't remember who else Wayne Dyer I think but um, I can't even remember her name she was the one that captivated me the most mm. but as I was sitting in this audience I was right up the back up the top I was looking down at this stage and she was like this tiny little dot on the stage I looked at all these people that was list that were listening to this to this conscious conversation and they spoke about how they'd been to Sydney Brisbane and Melbourne and they'd spoken to about 20,000 people and I thought Well, that's a tsunami because they were all from overseas. (laughs) It was a tsunami of consciousness (laughs) that that had hit this coast, the east coast of Australia, Mm -hmm. which was Melbourne, Brisbane, Sydney, Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I I really got that sense that that was the tsunami of consciousness that was Mm. a wave
0: going across the east coast of Australia at that time. Mm. I was thinking about Australia are very a very because I work, with, you know, internationally, and lots of West Coast America, and you know, Europe, and um, South Africa, and um, places like that. I have to say, as a as a as a continent, as a country, Australia are probably one of the most um, awoken, connected, and knowledgeable of Feng Shui. Wow. Yeah, which is which is always you know a delight for me because it makes my my job a lot easier. Um,
1: yeah,
0: but I don't know whether that's because, you know, geographically they're closer to to, to China and Japan where it originated from six thousand right. years ago.
1: Right.
0: Well, six thousand years ago was its first known use, so it's first implemented. So if you imagine the way, and it, I think this is quite helpful to understand how Feng Shui came into um, our world. But essentially, if you think. Think of sort of little martial art ninjas that were around about some, somewhere between the ages of about 13 and 20 and they would be given kill missions
1: mm.
0: and six thousand years ago that would mean a close range kill across the neck or poisoning the food or the drink or something but and these little trained martial art ninjas would actually go and live in the dynasty or the kingdom of um the victim that they were going to be killing, but they would hide and they could be there for three to six months waiting for that opportunity to catch that, you know, the head of that dynasty or something on on their own uh, without security or something like this, where they could make their close range kill. And they would use the, the three schools of Feng Shui that we talked about mm. um, to keep them hidden and to keep right. them safe and to ensure that their physical needs were met so that they were fed and watered and could sleep and stay alive themselves. And if if they were successful on their kill mission, they would then be gifted their freedom and they would go and start their own camp or their own house with their own family, create their own family from that point. And of course they would um, utilize all of the tools that kept them alive in their construction of their sort of little huts and homes and things that they did, wow. and that was the first known recording of how feng shui was utilised. Wow. Creation date has never is, is not known on this earth at this point.
1: Mm.
0: Who who worked all of this out? Because it's very mathematical. So, um. so someone
1: tapped into the subtler realms and the you know the history and the future you would have been able to like have a chat with some of the
0: feng shui masters i'm sure (laughs) yes i think that um i i think i always think it's 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 worth remembering um that we're in the living okay to be alive is to have one of the greatest gifts um you know uh from the universe is to inhabit a physical shell and to be in existence and to be alive or just to be Um, but we also pay homage to the fact that we're not here alone (laughs) we don't do this alone it wouldn't be possible I I I couldn't have gotten this far alone (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) for sure so yeah so you're definitely um conscious of the fact that um there are many masters and grandmasters that have um, insights and depths far beyond my humanness um, that I think you must lean into and consider when designing a solution for your client. And they, of course, themselves, will ha- they'll have their own guides and guardians and, you know, angelic beings and, you know, their galactic brethren that are mm. there to support them. I remember doing a feng shui um, for a family, um, I think they were on the Gold Coast and they had just flown in from the funeral in Sydney. And um, the um, literally they had come from the airport to, I, I met them at their home mm-hmm. and did the appointment. And we were looking at um, around the swimming pool, they had a really big pot plant. And I mean, it was absolutely enormous, this, you know, <sighs> trying to think of dimensions to tell you, but it it would have been, you would have needed, you know, some sort of machinery to lift it. And they just couldn't have element earth in that space. It was really uh, crucifying that sector and it was causing them a lot of difficulty. And We had to move the element earth from that space somehow and it wasn't because I tend to go around every room and help the family in every room and work out what is best in every room. And we were in their son's room and he had an empty cotton reel, you know, the, you know, an empty cotton reel and a ruler just to hand on his shelf. And it popped into my mind to and I'll, I'll, I'll try to do a little. Uh, reenactment of it but it popped into my, with my tools I have here but it popped into my mind this empty cotton reel and this ruler and I sort of looked at them and went like this I said oh we need a lever for that pot it all sort of flashed before my eyes and I could understand exactly how how we could move it and the the man of the house the husband the chap said to me are you by chance connected to my granddad? <laughs> And I said, "Um, I'm not sure to be, I wasn't, (laughs) I wasn't sure. He said, we've just come from his funeral in Sydney. I'm thinking, this is the granddad, this is the granddad. And then he said, he was an engineer. I was like, of course he was. (laughs) Yes, I'm pretty sure your granddad's here and is helping us work out how to move this pot of earth. So I, I couldn't do this work without, you know, our whole team of supporters in, right. you know. Um, in spirit. In the unseen worlds. So yeah. Well, only
1: unseen that. for most, not unseen to you. <laughs> <laughs> but unseen for some. Uh, you know, speaking of that, I met you through David Norman, who's been on the shows of Good Friend and, uh uh, you know, he, he, I was in the car one day with him when you called and you were having a chat and you were saying something about the the Reiki masters. Do you want to talk about that? What you
0: had seen?
1: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. of
0: masters in spirit. Hey. Yeah. yeah. So I trained, I did some training in Reiki. I think I did Reiki one and I I sort of did Reiki two, although I'm I'm not entirely sure I was probably properly initiated or whatever the the word, the right word is there into it. I sort of did the course. I'm not sure that the lady who trained me uh, quite did that. Anyway, but I remember her saying to me, because she taught me Reiki one as well. I remember her saying to me, oh, you're, this is really weird. You don't need attunement. You're naturally attuned, which is that I was born this way coming into the world like this. and she was sort of almost freaked out by that a little bit because I didn't need the attunements or something. But she taught me the choke rays and the, the healing tools and the practices. And and because there are times when I, I will do healings on clients, particularly, you know, if the chi flow is blocked in their shakratic system, I might blast blast that out. And Reiki would be one tool I would use to do that. But I had, <laughs> I'd gone to visit a friend of mine. Well, um, we'd been friends since we were oh, 18 or more uh, or 18. Yeah, around about 18. He'd married one of my school friends um, and I'd been to visit them at their house and he'd had terrible illness. Um, and he, you know, I hadn't seen them for a couple of years and he really broke down and said to me, Janine, I nearly died. I nearly died. Like he was really shaken and I said, I said to him that you didn't, you know, you didn't. I said, would you want me to do some healing on you? Well, they are probably the least likely to ever attend any of the expos that you're talking about, right? Just not their thing, but still my very dear friends. And I said, look, it may seem weird to you but I could possibly maybe help you a little bit. So let me try at least. So he said, all right, I'm open to that. So he laid on the sofa and I went to do a toqueray. This is what I was explaining to David in the car. And it was as though I had a gun and I was not firing. I was firing, no. there was empty, no bullets. I shook my hand, I'm connected, like what's going on? And I, and I, and I you know, I, he's laying on the sofa, I said to him, can you feel anything? He said, no, not a thing. And I thought, well, I didn't say nor can I. <laughs> so I don't want to confirm his thinking anymore of his belief system. So I just was okay all right that's not a tool in my tool bag I can use for, either for this person or right now and so I switched to a galactic healing modality that I trained in in America and um which had actually come in naturally when I was doing the feng, uh, when I was doing the Reiki anyway um I found it to be a lot faster and and um one of those sessions was the equivalent of twenty Reiki sessions, and it it just really shifted what I needed it to do. It worked really easily for, and so I ended up running some galactic sort of healing um, energy through him, and just explained to him that if his house, if his body was a house, he hasn't been demolished. He has had a house fire, and inside he needs to do a whole redecoration. He needs a repaint throughout, and even when we contrasted the palms of our hands you know, he was gray in comparison to my pinky pink, peachy flesh. And so that was my experience and I just tuned in with spirit and sort of was, what was that about? And that was when it was shown to me that Reiki is needed. The energy, the essence of Reiki, the, the pure energy essence of Reiki is actually required in a different earth at this point. And so, as I explained to David, Reiki has left the building. (laughs) It has left the earth. It doesn't mean we're not running energy. It doesn't mean the symbols don't have significance. It doesn't mean we're still, we're still supposed to be doing healing, but that actually that is not, um, it is was shown to me that will not be transitioning into 5d. The actual Reiki energy Uh itself.
1: I remember you said in the car that you had the vision of this dragon, this. this...
0: Oh, so the Reiki dragon. Yeah. Yeah. The... So the way it, you want me to explain that yeah, in yeah. the way it was shown to me was I just closed my eyes and was sort of in a meditative state and just asking about what had happened with my, my good friend. And um, I just saw 10 dogs running at me, fierce, you know, the dogs that sort of drip saliva, looking really like, oh, I could see their teeth. It was like, whoa, what is going on here? And these 10 dogs were running directly at me like they were going to kill me. And I just thought, well, this is unusual. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then it, they, as they were getting within shot, uh, you know, like sort of getting closer and I'm starting to see more detail They then start to morph into sort of, you know, like the pairs become one. So it goes five and then five becomes three and then three become one. And I realise it's not a dog. It's the dragon head. It's the dragon of Reiki. And you know how dragons can be quite dog-like. Yeah. Yeah. And then it, it didn't come at me. It came past me, went past me this way. And you know how dogs, even when they're being aggressive or whatever, they can sort of look back at you with their, you see the whites of their eyes and their tongues are hanging out and they look a bit dopey and silly. Yeah. And the dragon sort of looked back at me in my meditation as if to say, it's me, silly. Like, why were you why were you frightened? It's me. You know, like, an, you know, we know each other sort of thing. And then I just like, oh, and, I, and then I realized, oh, this is a dragon. Cause the long, 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 long tail then started passing me. And that was when I saw the three Reiki masters and they were walking not towards me. They didn't look me in the eye. They just walking past, past. My being, and mm-hmm. I just watched them go. And I could see the sort of the back of their head and their cloaks and the, the, the back of their feet, the sole of their feet. Um, and their little sandal, you know, like you could sort of see walking past and and that was when a voice in my head just said, Reiki is required elsewhere now. Reiki and- has
1: left the building. Mm. Well, this is going to upset a lot of people who practice Reiki because Reiki has become such a huge industry, especially mm. amongst
0: And it's still Um, taking off.
1: Newly awakened, you know, people. It seems to be a path of initiation for Mm. many people who start to become aware of who they are as intuitive psychic and now they're feeling energy and now like what do I do with it? They go do a Reiki course and they like start feeling it in their hands and Mm. tuning into it. And there are so many people that make a living from teaching.
0: Oh, and this is meant in no disrespect to them. This is what we're showing to me, this is part of my story, what, what I needed to understand at that yeah, point. Yeah. And in sharing it, what I would say is that, you know, when you're running energy, how much of it is pure Reiki from those masters? Right. How much of it is energy? Exactly. How much of it is Frequency. divine energy? Yeah. Cause you know, what because I, understand I would is- still do the sessions, still do yeah. the Reiki, still do the symbols. I'm not even a Reiki master,
1: right,
0: so, um, but for me, this is a really good example of energy because yeah. really good energy is like that, you know, that rolling moss gathers no stones and it mm. picks up pace. Right. So Reiki will still be rolling in our systems mm. for a long time because of its significance and its impact and what it has already given us. Mm. And all that's left the building are the, ancient masters that originally brought that frequency in to earth yeah yeah what they've gifted us is the ability to heal to to use symbols in healing to run energy through so if you're about to attend a reiki course still go because you'll learn to set up a healing set to to learn how to place your hands on a person and I really believe that
1: what of most people practice. are teaching when they call it Reiki is probably not exactly Reiki. It's more like they've been initiated through Reiki and they've probably been taught to be Reiki practitioners and masters, but they've started to tap into their own connection and their own Absolutely. galactic frequencies yeah. and, you know, and they're just calling it Reiki. I have to say, I did Reiki so many years ago. It was like one of the first things I did. I was studying as a naturopath. And like, I'm in my early twenties and I did a Reiki course. It was my first. And I did all the initiations. Never, ever did I ever use the symbols ever. I just had an intuitive knowing that I could do this. Like it fascinated me because I felt like I, you know, when we are starting this journey, we think we don't know this stuff. And so we're like, oh my God, I don't know any of this stuff. But I think we all innately know all of it. You know, our soul has access to it. And once you learn it, there is this remembering that you already know it and, the, and so much more. And I think I just tapped into that yeah. and, and started, I never, ever brought up the symbol. I think I couldn't even remember them. So it was just yeah. like, I just put my hands on people
0: and what would come through would come through. Right. But, um. and that's the yeah. difference. That's, so, so I'm not saying that sort of energy healing is, is it has left the building. Yeah. It's just that there are other frequencies available right. well, there, well there are other universes where reiki needs to come in right and yeah. that's what they've left to do because they've already brought it in here
1: yeah right
0: and when i tune in and i ask about okay well well with it within energy healing and that's not my principal modality but within en- energy healing um you know what is the future of energy healing and they show me there are thousands of modalities of of energy specific energy healing like reiki or um like light wave that i've trained in and others there are thousands that you can do just as we tap into different guides and and different angelic realms and equally that exists within healing too yeah and as we become more consciously aware of where the energy is coming from we'll understand why it's okay to move away further from reiki to bring in other light frequencies Mm. because that's because the world is changing and the world is aging Mm. um and so what i love about reiki is that for many people it is their safe start yeah it gets their engine running yeah and i would never want to take that from somebody Mm. but if somebody came to me and said look I really wanna learn how to do a healing on a person or on myself. Um, How do you do it? I would then tell them everything I know, Mm. but it wouldn't be exclusively Reiki. I don't don't think I've ever met anybody exclusively Reiki. Mm. And I think that's why myself, I didn't continue on that attunement properly because well, when they were tuning me and I was already attuned to it on some level, But also because um, as soon as I started running Reiki, a more galactic healing modality was coming through Mm. straight away,
1: Mm.
0: which I found was getting me the results I wanted to get.
1: Which I think happens for many, actually, Yeah. yeah.
0: But that was the, a conversation that, yeah, you, you were privy to. You overheard in the car when I was on loudspeaker to David, talking 100 miles an hour to David. I know, it was so funny. You're on loudspeaker and I didn't get a word in edgewise and I'm like, I'm
1: looking at David, shall I tell her that I'm listening? <laughs> and at some point, at some point I just thought, no, I won't tell
0: her. <laughs> just, just <laughs> when David and I talk, that tends to be how it is. It's like, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. like we're on a level that's good
1: (laughs) oh he's like that David he's yeah he's a bit like me he's got a neon sign on his head that says tell me your life story and uh yeah people just show up in our presence and they just start talking it's just just like just start I did a healing
0: on David once actually I remember I did a healing on David I'm sure he won't mind my sharing this he um asked me would I do a he I'd his home and he asked me would I do a healing and um, I, I did. And I, I said to him, David, you don't need this. You do not need this. Why are you even asking me to do this? I said, what have you done energetically to not require this? you know and that was when he said he'd studied um, shamanism just I think it had been relatively recently or something I'm not sure where that occurred in the story and I just said to him David you you heal yourself I'm not even going to take your money now stop (laughs) you don't need healing (laughs) you just I think he just wanted a day spa (laughs) should have sent him to the day
1: spa I think it's a I think it's um I think it will, will like for many people when you it just it's just that time out give yourself yeah some time out to be uh, to be nurtured to be
0: yeah.
1: for time but- out for me because he, he, he like many people he oh god that day in the car honestly we were driving to Canberra so it was a few hours I was in the car there were so many people ringing him mm-hmm. so many people and and telling them and him you know all their problem and and so he's he's yeah he's doing a lot. You Know, like he's doing a lot energetically with a lot of people, and but I couldn't believe it. I said to him, clear. Is, this, is this normal? Is this like your normal day that the phone just never stops ringing? And he goes, Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like,
0: Wow, a successful businessman! Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So, um, but he, but he's, keeping personal his energy,
0: he's keeping his energy really clear. So, I yeah. would advise people that you know, if they're looking for that sort of day spa experience, meditation. Yeah. That, is the, that is the way to tune in and really nurture and, and self-love, self-care on such a deeper level because um, it's really um, your energy contained. It's not somebody else running their energy and, and other energy through you, doing it for you. It's you doing it for yourself. And so um, meditation would have been the the that will give you the greater or give one the greatest sense of self-love self and nurturing. Care and and care. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Oh, darling one, it's been so fascinating. Fascinating to hear your stories, fascinating and touching. And you're going to go into the science and art of feng shui more in the High Self Expo. Science is a bit of a loose term. When I first got the spec, I was like science. I was thinking physics but science comes in many forms Uh, i think the science of consciousness is a science that we need to uphold to expand to accelerate exponentially in this world and i think it needs to be taught in every school and every university the science of consciousness Mm. so uh we're we're kind of going there in the expo we're going to talk about 3d sciences and and 5d sciences exciting (laughs) and i suspect that feng shui feng shui would be kind of in that category of maybe a four five d
0: science really the science of energy so part of the purpose or the mission that i'm here to deliver Mm -hmm. is to bring it from i'm a bridge to bring from 3d to 5d
1: right
0: so to help people to understand how to implement it into their environments Mm -hmm. and you feel the light change as i'm telling you this yeah okay yeah Um. so that's um that's i'm i won't be alone in doing that there will be others lots lots and lots but
1: it's been so beautiful thanks so much for sharing some some of you today with us on the show thank you you. it's been beautiful
0: yes i'm sorry i made you cry (laughs) (laughs) no don't be sorry it was beautiful i was just so touched by the story oh it's been a pleasure to spend time with you and i look forward to working with you on your expo
1: Oh, that was just so moving. I loved that talking to Janine. I, I didn't know much about Janine and she doesn't have a website or she this was her very first podcast interview. She had actually never done anything like this before. So I had spoken to her a few times on the phone, you know, on the internet and on email and, um, and heard her, you know, speaking to David in the car and so on and so forth. So I knew we had a great connection, but I didn't really know what to expect. I didn't really know anything about her, only that David said, oh, she's wonderful, she's amazing. And uh, David was right. She is wonderful and amazing, absolutely wonderful and amazing, really. I was, whew, was profoundly moved by that. Uh, her conversation, look, I can imagine there's so much more to her story than we heard today, so much more. Uh, you know, she worked for years, Microsoft, working for a certain software developer, which would have been interesting to go into because he he's a character, you know, he's a big player on the world stage at the moment. But she said she loved working for Microsoft. They treated their staff really well. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, there's a, there's a lot more to Janine than meets the eye. But, yes, yeah, she's focused in the feng shui, feng shui, feng shui. I don't even really know how to say it. But I found that was really interesting what she said about the Reiki masters leaving, leaving planet Earth, uh, Terra Earth, to go and uh, spread their love in another universe, another, on another planet. That, that It has done its job and we're sort of upgrading all the time to different frequencies. As the guides have shown me and many channelers have talked about, we've been you know the 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 energy of the universe has been bombarding this world with upgrades all the time for decades maybe even over 100 years but it's just getting it's accelerating it's getting more and more intense as we move in what we perceive as time and space the energy upgrade of this planet is happening which is dredging up all the dirt which we're seeing in the uh, in our mainstream mainstream media we're seeing a lot more dirt being dredged up a lot more corruption being exposed and disclosed Uh, so it's exposing and disclosing a lot of the distortion in this world but it's also exposing a lot of the consciousness technology that a lot of the light workers have been working with for years and you know, people like Janine who have been here for 40 odd years, completely awake and speaking to masters in spirit. And uh, so this is all coming out people's ET connections and their spirit connections and their psychic awareness. It's all coming out as the energies ramp up on this planet. So yeah, I suppose as we're shifting in frequencies, certain energies that we've been using, are no longer viable as we move in frequencies it just makes sense really, doesn't it? And the frequencies that we're using today, maybe the galactic frequencies that are being used in energy healing today will be upgraded and, and uh, usurped by other frequencies as we move, you know, as we evolve and move into a 5d um, reality. I suspect that the energy technology or the energy science will be vastly different to what we understand, even as psychic psychics and healers today it's exciting times as i always say it's very exciting the future is an exciting place the future is an exciting place and you know i had a question from one of my clients about how we can access the book good i, I put a thing on my facebook saying um, we can't heal and uplift this world by focusing on what's wrong with it focus on what's good about it you know only love expands love (laughs) Only love increases love hate doesn't increase love only love increases love focus on the good and somebody said well how do I do that when I'm I'm looking out into a world that I don't agree with and I can't see anything good in it Uh, we can focus on the good even when the mainstream media is determined to show us absolutely committed and determined to show us what's going wrong in this world We can still accentuate the positive in all of it. We can focus on the good. We can focus on what we want to create instead of what is created. Esther Hicks says this, you know, repeatedly ad nauseum. When I say Esther Hicks, the, the, the stream of consciousness known as Abraham that flows through Esther Hicks and many others speaks about creation as not focusing on what is because as you focus on what is, you just recreate it. Uh, marina jacoby says you reprint it repattern it as you focus on a frequency you just keep repeating it focus on what you want to see in this world and you bring that pattern you print that energy into this reality as you put your powerful powers of attention intention attention and focus on what you want to create in this world not what is so what is you might not agree with You might think it's corrupt. You might think it's wrong. Okay, so that's what is. What is is a story of the past. It's what people have been focusing on in the past. You want to be a creator, a light weaver. You want to weave the energies of the universe into a new story. Focus on what you want to see happening in this world. And don't get distracted uh, with the current narrative or the current creation. Focus on a new creation. Focus on the possibilities. What is possible for you and everyone else? What's possible? Infinite. Infinite amount of things are possible. Seth said, I read the books 30 years ago, over 30 years ago, Seth said, uh, channeled information, Jane Roberts in the 60s, there are only two rules to this life. One, you create your own reality, and two, there are no limits. You get to create what you want in this world in your life and in this world and there are no limits to your powers of potential absolutely no limits okay enough said for today chew on that for a while focus on what you want the cats come to say hello and uh yes theater sanctum garnet's coming in a couple of weeks i'm getting some of my tribe to do some channeling next week They were supposed to do it this week but they both didn't turn up it was mother's day i forgot that it was Mother's Day in the States, it was Monday here, and here in, uh, in Australia. I do the Inner Sanctum on a Monday morning here in Sydney, which is a Sunday afternoon in the US, and uh, an early Monday morning in Singapore, very late in Sunday night for Europe. I'm trying to find a time zone that fits with all the time zones. It's uh, mid-morning in New Zealand. We've got people from all over the world there. Uh, to, but anyway, Mondays, Mondays is the day that I've set on early morning, Monday, Monday morning here in Sydney. And uh, we've got a couple of people in the inner sanctum that are going to do some channeling, practicing their channeling prowess, which is going to be interesting. And then Garnet's going to come and chat to us. And I'm online every week teaching as usual. And for the next few weeks up until the expo, I'm going to be chatting with speakers or potential speakers for the High Self Expo. Hopefully they'll all speak. We can fit them all in. We're busy asking people and to be speakers for the expo, uh, even if they don't speak at the expo. At least they'll be on my show. You can hear their stories and uh, fun times. And then I've been booking people for after the expo too. I'm getting very galactic after July. There just seems to be a lot of people that are in my space that are um, talking about a lot of galactic stuff so i'm going to get really galactic after july i was thinking about asking zane to do a high self expo all about galactic consciousness and galactic wisdom he might he might not do it if he doesn't do it i might do it anyway there's lots to do lots to play with in this world Thanks again for watching and listening. And remember to please subscribe and like and share the shows and leave your comments. What did you think of Janine's story? What did you think of Reiki leaving the planet? Maybe you've got something to talk about, to say about that. Let me know what you think. Love you big time. Bye for now.